This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday. And you know what that means. Finally time for the world famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no holds barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome, everyone. Good morning, everyone. And welcome to Under the Dome with CD for one show only. We're on at a special time from 9 to 11 because we've got LSU basketball coming up. And I say good morning to everybody. I think I need to kind of flip that script over and say, except for the following people. AT&T Sportsnet, MLB, The Blackouts, Rob Manfred, Roger Goodell, and even the Vandy Whistler. Just, I just want to throw it out there. I'm not a big fan of the Vandy Whistler, but the fact that we have a top-ranked Texas Longhorns team, and unless you have AT&T Sportsnet, you are SOL. Last night, I was maybe expecting to watch the tail end of the LSU game they had last night. It was a barn burner against Oklahoma. I was maybe one to catch the end of that game. No such luck. I was SOL. Not able to watch a phenomenal contest between two really good programs. LSU, obviously, towards the top-ranked teams in the country. But you're making me miss out on that. All because of MLB blackouts. I feel like they're at the crux of a lot of my complaints on today's show. But don't worry, I'm not, not, I'm not mad at all. I'm actually in a really good mood. Because first off, it's Saturday. We've got LSU basketball coming up right after the show. Then later on in the day, we got LSU Texas again, top ranked team. Can't necessarily watch it, but guess what? You can listen to it right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And now we're going to go ahead and get down to brass tacks and get down to what's causing all this. Because again, we only got two hours here inside the beautiful game studios. So let's go ahead and get down to brass tacks right now of what's causing all this with your Saturday. Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. I mentioned my strong disdain for one Robert Manfred. And it all goes back to... Obviously, the Astros and uh, Trash Can Gate, or whatever the folks want to call it out there. But it, it just definitely is a lot to do with the fact that we continue to not have this stuff going on. We were seemingly on the cusp of maybe getting an agreement done, but of course, right before Mardi Gras, we're all supposed to be celebrating, having a good time. Baseball fans everywhere, we're not shocked, we're not appalled, but at the end of the day, we still, we weren't very happy. 
about the fact that the MLB continues to be one of the biggest joke promotions and organizations because of the man at the head of the table, one Rob Manfred. And it all kind of goes back to everything that we were hearing from your boy, Rob Manfred, back in 2020. Talk about possibly not having the Astros forfeit the World Series championship. That was one of the big sticking points for a lot of the fans. The fact that they were able to keep that championship. At the end of the day, that one doesn't matter nearly as much as a lot of the other things. But seriously, they decided to unanimously not have the season start on time. They were already canceling games from March 31st till like April 7th. And I'm sure it's going to become a never-ending saga, a lot like what we saw two years ago. Further proving why I think Rob Manfred was delaying the inevitable. He was basically kind of hoping that maybe the MLB would have, the MLBPA would have bent the knee and said, yes, my lord, to that opportunity to be able to play again. But he failed to realize he's already pissed off just about everybody else that's going to be on his side, in his circle. And if you're a fan of sports, if you're a fan of MLB, you've got to feel like you're the idiot in the, in the conversation. Because you sit there. You sit there in the year of our Lord, 2022. You tell me that that guy absolutely knows what the hell he's doing. He continues to destroy a sport that I love and I'm sure a lot of you love. Because that's kind of where I'm at. I've been a baseball fan my whole life. I hate Rob Manfred more than I hate Roger Goodell right now. Because this could have all been easily avoided. And it all goes back to 2020 again. There's an old saying in life. Those who do not learn from their history are doomed to repeat it. And in the case of Rob Manford, he never learned back in the history books about the great lockout of the 94 season. He didn't learn all that. I don't know why. And he didn't, also, he didn't learn from his mistakes in 2020. The fact he had that Mexican standoff for months and you had to settle for a 60-game season. Everybody kind of swallowed their pride, but we all knew that this day would come. And the MLB continues to really be complete, with all due respect, morons. They are complete and utter morons when it comes to the discussion about the future of the MLB and the negotiations. I don't understand how it's not that simple. It's it's simple, guys. You... Especially if it's rumored. I was seeing something the other day, and I was blown away by this number. Apparently, it was a difference of $50,000 from Bob Nightingale. The two sides are $50,000 apart. If that's the case, then I don't know why the hell Rob Manfred isn't fired as as an owner, as as a commissioner of the MLB, if it's that much of a difference. $50,000. $50,000. I understand. Fifty grand to a guy like me, to a guy like you out there in listener land. That is a lot of money. But $50,000 for a guy like Rob Manfred, a commissioner of MLB, and a lot of the owners, 
is like a drop in the damn bucket. $50,000 is reportedly, according to, again, Bob Nightingale, a reliable source, good friend. Was able to get him on the show back in the gap. But in the minimum salary proposals, $50,000. Why can't you swallow your pride and you play these games? And I'm not talking about the actual games on the field. I'm talking about the games that are being played in the boardroom in these kind of negotiations. $50,000? You can't just swallow your pride and give that to them and get the show on the road? Because here's the thing. It goes back to 2020. Again, I like to go back in time a little bit because of the fact that this all revolves around what happened two years ago. The negotiations, or lack thereof, when it came to that, that's playing a huge role in this right now. Don't believe me? See, look, look what's going on now. We don't have a season to be played March 31st. We were we here at Acadiana Sports, the Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We were looking forward. We were looking forward to the season starting. We were going to have the Astros right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, as we always do. But it boggles my mind. That in 2022, we are doing the same thing we did in 2020. I feel like CJ and San Andreas, every time I hear the debates and hear the news alerts pop up on my phone, every time I see MLB in, the, in negotiations with the MLBPA, I'm like, ah, oh, bleep, here we go again. I feel like CJ and GTA San Andreas right now. It's just, hell, I feel like Punks and Tony Phil, Groundhog Day up in this thing. I cannot stand the fact that we are continually going into this thing with no rhyme or reason. The MLB should have already agreed with the MLBPA. But again, the Players Association has a sour taste in their mouth, and justifiably so. They have a bitter taste in their mouth all because of what happened a few months ago, or a few years ago. When they had the debates about how the season was going to go, how things were going to be set up going forward but of course you fast forward to 2022 and what the hell is going on with the MLB what have they become to a certain extent they've become a joke amongst fan bases in the league like seriously go look seriously go look side by side with the NHL. Once upon a time, the NHL was the biggest thing going. It was one of the more popular leagues. Two lockouts later that caused them to shut down an entire season. Later, nobody really talks about them. Mind you, over here, they hardly talk about them. They have, uh, hockey, once upon a time, was one of the most popular things to, to come over here to Lafayette, Louisiana and watch with the ice skaters back in the gap. They were minor league NHL team. But the NHL shot itself in the foot not once but twice. You got lucky in the 90s. Whenever you had the lockout, you came back, and all of a sudden Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, all those guys got juiced up as all get out and started hitting dingers. And everybody wanted to see the race, the chase to see who was going to be the all-time hit king, who was going to be the home run king of that season that chase saved baseball I don't think we have another one 
of those in us. And again, going back to 2020, I said it many times. It was millionaires and billionaires arguing over dollars and cents when a lot of the populace was suffering from hard-time blues. A lot of people didn't have jobs. A lot of people were getting furloughed, laid off in some cases, especially in this industry of radio. You think a fan wanted to hear these guys complain about the fact that they're arguing over dollars and cents when they're millionaires and billionaires? Hell no. I know I wouldn't. But that's the difference. That's the big difference between myself and one Robert Manfred. A man that just does not know how to run a damn sports league. And again, if he had just done in kind and be able to agree in the first place in principle with everything that was going on in the midst of the pandemic and kind of swallow your pride and realize at the end of the day, getting those games on is going to make you more money and make people more happy. But now I feel like people are all but checked out. And I'm talking your casual fans, your laps fans. Those guys don't come back probably. But those hardcore, diehard, day-in, day-out baseball fans, they're starting to walk away. And they're walking away in droves as sports fans because of what Rob Manford did. So, Rob Manford, you can go to hell for all I care. Just get out of the MLB. And I mentioned earlier his comments about the World Series trophy, calling it a piece of metal. A lot like Hulk Hogan called the WWF title a piece of tin, a toy, back in Japan in the 90s. It definitely rubbed a lot of people the wrong way then, like it does now. I think that plays a huge role in why people don't like Rob Manfred. He is a joke, and he filled in. He's replaced probably one of the most likable, at least somewhat. A lot of people don't like him, but I think he did a solid job in maintaining the game in Bud Seeley. A fantastic commissioner in my mind. But Rob Manfred is a complete like fraud, and I think he needs to be looked at that way from a fan base perspective and from a owner's perspective. It's time to get rid of the malcontent and figure something else out. Because you are missing, you are just failing miserably in terms of growing the game. And I'm talking not on a national level. I'm talking on a global level. Look at the, what the NBA is doing right now. Go look at the NBA as a perspective. They are definitely number two in America, no doubt in my mind. But they are growing the game of basketball in a huge way over the last like, 20, 30 years because they were forward-thinking. Adam Silver is probably one of those key guys that's making that thing a lot more of a global game. Baseball, it's America's pastime, but maybe it's time has passed. I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm thinking loud of this maybe is for the better, but as a fan of baseball, a guy who loves, be it college, be it pros, whatever, even, you know, Texas Collegiate League with, like, the Cane Cutters. We had Luke Mons on a few weeks ago. This is going to affect a lot of things when it comes to baseball going forward, especially amongst the pro ranks. And I'm wondering, where's the next step in this? Where is that next step where we're going to see the league make its decision about whether or not they were gonna, they're going to play the season. I hope they do. Again, I've said it before. I don't see it in April, but
but May would be a complete and total victory for that league because you don't lose all that much time and you're able to still have the summer largely to yourself. But if you get to June, then things start to become an issue. So I'd say just bleep or get off the crap or get off the pot, man. I cannot stand the fact that I'm seeing this happen. Just do what you need to do or get off the pot and do your thing. Like That's all I got to say on that front with the MLB and the lockout that's going on. We'll talk more with Chris Gordy at 1030, almost at 1130. Because I'm so used to it being a 10 a.m. to noon show, but it's 9 to 11 today. We're leading into LSU basketball. I made a special request to jump on from 9 to 11 today because, well, I didn't want to have just an hour. I want to have a full two. I want to, have, I want to be able to explore the space a little bit like a Bruce Dickinson. Not the Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden, but Bruce Dickinson who helped record Blue Oyster called Don't Fear the Reaper. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll flip it over to college football for a little bit because the Cajuns football schedule came out earlier this week, and I've got some very poignant thoughts. If you want to talk about that or anything else, 337-706-0111 is the number to dial if you want to get in on the conversation. Once again, 337-706-0111. We'll take a quick timeout here. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. Oh, that's me right here on the game. 103.7 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Be back after this. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to uh, Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 out in Lake Charles. Hopefully you're having a fantastic Saturday morning. I know I sure am because I'm here with you. And also there's tons of sports to go around. I was bringing up the two-minute drill. The Cajuns, they got a win last night over Southern Miss on the baseball diamond. Maybe they'll have some wins on the gridiron. We'll talk about that. In just a few, because obviously the Sunbelt Conference schedule came out earlier this week. We'll kind of recap that. Interestingly, put that out on Mardi Gras Day, but, you know, that's just part of the conversation. But we've got a caller on the game hotline right now. We've got Ted on the line, so let's go ahead and get to him right now. Ted, what you got on your mind? Well, I'm wondering, who do you think is going to be our new uh, quarterback for the Raging Cajuns? Well, I think that's going to be a really interesting kind of debate and see how things are going to go in spring practice. I'd say right now, just from my POV, which is not not nearly as close as it used to be, but I think we'll wind up seeing Chandler Fields. He'll be that guy that's out there. I think without a doubt, he's the guy that's on top of my list. Again, this is somebody that was at the top of you know Billy Napier's first recruiting class. He's put in the time, put in the effort. Now, of course, who among some of those transfers could those guys kind of be like be like checkers and jump over them? Who's going to jump over a guy like Chandler Fields amongst the quarterback room that's going to be in there? That's another question that we're probably going to find out more as fall as excuse me fall camp excuse me 
Spring practice is going to be getting underway in the next month or so. Once that gets started, we'll have more of an idea. And then once we get to the spring game, we'll probably have a more firm idea versus probably what happened in previous years, especially the last years of HUD, after you saw, you know, Blank Goche leave, Terrence Broadway leave, those guys left, and that position became a thing that was very much in flux, especially the last year when you saw Levi Lewis have to burn his red shirt. It's going to be interesting to see how all that pans out in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, my, my concern more is for the offense than the defense. I think the defense is, is going to be pretty solid, but the offense, uh, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about it because we lost our running backs and we lost a, a very good wide receiver and some of our offensive lines. What's, what's your thought about all of that? Well, I think they're going to be a they're going to be a better team. I think on the defensive side, obviously, you're getting a lot of key cogs back. You're losing some some big names in there, but you got guys who were those like super juniors. They're going to be the super duper seniors because of the COVID year. Adding an extra year of eligibility that's going to help out a team like the Cajuns extremely well. Now I'm wondering, and you probably the fact the running backs, Ted, and my thing is, I think the running back room is going to be just fine because they continue to replenish and rebuild and hell like we hardly really saw much of those freshmen from the last recruiting class in 2021 2021 those guys are some really damn good players Kendra Williams is a name that nobody really talked all that much about I feel like he's gonna be somebody that's been slept on and I feel like he's gonna have a chance to blow up this season for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns I think that's gonna help matters out immensely especially because Chandler Fields is more, I'd say, a pro-style quarterback versus more of a dual threat like Levi Lewis was. So having a good, you know, running back core, that's going to be great. But the biggest thing for me is, this is probably one of my biggest concerns because of the fact you you are going to be losing a lot of key guys along the offensive line. If you've listened to this show long enough, I am much, I'm very much a fan of offensive line play continuity plays a huge role in that especially in the college ranks once you lose some of that key continuity those key cogs you can very well see things fall apart and I'm hoping it doesn't that's going to be the biggest key for this team is seeing how things are done in the trenches especially with some of the new additions to the conference the bright side is and I'm talking about this in a minute Ted is the way the schedule plays out in terms of the degree of difficulty at least on paper it's a little less than it has been over the last five, six years. All right. Well, let me give a shout-out to uh, Coach Desimo. Uh, the RCAF is putting – and the quarterback club is putting together a, um, a golf tournament on April the 14th for Coach Michael Desimo at Kane Row here in New Iberia. And uh, hopefully everyone will come out and support our, our local – football coach the money goes to directly to the quarterback club which is a fund that's used specifically by the head coach for the benefit of his players uh, whatever his players needs are so that's april the 14th at Kane row here in yarnberry come out and support coach desimo I appreciate the call i appreciate the information ted that's absolutely awesome a little golf tournament going down in the berry to support Coach Dez and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And I got a little bit of time before we get on our guy, John Eric Poli. We're going to talk UFC 272 
in just a bit. But if you want to call up, don't worry. We got the time, 337-706-0111. But the Cajuns football schedule came out earlier this week, and that's kind of what I wanted to get to. And I appreciate Ted for kind of starting the train of thought in terms of how things are set up for 2022. Obviously, this year you have Southeastern and Eastern Michigan and Rice kind of opening up your non-conference slate. Those were already known. But was interesting was seeing how things were going to go with the Sunbelt Conference with all the changes because apparently the Conference USA booked their schedule a certain way because of the whole Conference USA teams jumping ship and Marshall, Southern Miss, ODU, all those guys. But that's caused a bit of a change in a really interesting way. And it's the fact that you aren't playing App State or Coastal Carolina at all in 2022. It's wild to think about because, again, the Cajuns every single year have played App State since App State has joined the conference. Now that you've got a little bit more meat on the bone in terms of your Western Conference, it makes sense, excuse me, division, West Division, it makes sense you're going to wind up seeing a lot more teams fill up that dance card and you only have really three teams you're playing from the east or no you have two playing from the east one from the old east he's now troy's gonna be joining the west i'm it's so i'm still trying to get used to the entire setup of the way the divisions work but you've got marshall is probably on paper your toughest opponent on the schedule marshall's probably your toughest opponent and you beat them and the New Orleans Bowl just a few months ago. That's your toughest opponent, at least on paper. You could say Florida State just in terms of the fact it's a damn good program over the years. But if we're being honest with each other, that should be a win and win easy because Florida State is a absolute mess, and it has been for a long time. Florida State hasn't been good since Jameis Winston suited up. And that's kind of my whole perspective and POV of this is he is going to be a. That's exactly where I'm at on that. That's probably your one game where you can say that's your upset special just because of the fact it's Florida State and Florida State just hasn't necessarily been good over the years in terms of that. But again, I go through my predictions and schedules in phases, especially in college. I look at how things are. I do the bowling ball test, but at first look at how a schedule looks based off of the degree of difficulty. Southeastern Louisiana should be a win. Eastern Michigan, I think definitely should be a win. Then you've got Rice. I think Rice is a win. ULM, it's going to be a tough game. It's in Monroe. It's in late September, which is weird. That should be a win. South Alabama, the consistently inconsistent team, that's probably a coin flip. On paper, it's all on paper, degree of difficulty. Marshall, toss-up game, could be a trap game. Arkansas State, could be a trap game. Southern Miss, hasn't been the Southern Miss team we saw when the Cajuns played in the New Orleans Bowl in 2016. That's probably a win. Troy, I don't. I think they got a new head, they've got a new head coach. They're kind of realigning some things. Could be a trap game. Georgia Southern, definitely a trap game. Florida State is I'm gonna I'll put I'll label it as toss up just for the sake of 
saying that there's a chance where things could go awry. And then the last one, Texas State at San Marcos, that's going to be a win. I wrap the season in San Marcos, playing the Bobcats, hell yeah. Give me that every single day and twice on Sunday. But that's kind of how I think the season is going to be. I think they probably have, I'll go ahead and put it right now, their ceiling is a 10-win season. The ceiling is 10 wins. I'm not going to go 12. I can never go 12 like twelve and 0 with a team. But I can go 10. I can go 10. That's an easy bark. And if he does that year one, Des absolutely has locked up a job for a while. And I think he will stick around with that job for a long time. But I think the floor for this program is probably, I think, 7-5. and five. 7 and 5. Again, I just need to see what how things are going in terms of spring practice and getting into the spring game on April 9th. There's a lot of time between now and April 9th and then we can start seeing how this team is going to look and then we'll see how things shake out once we get past fall practice. But I just need to see what this team looks like in the spring game and then we can start having an honest conversation about what this program is going to look like going forward. All right, it's under the dome with CD. Let's take a quick timeout. When we come back, we've got John Eric Polai going to talk some MMA and UFC 272 next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The world famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. <laughs> now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 out in Lake Charles. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday morning. Hopefully you're a great weekend so far. Obviously, you're just getting started. Maybe you just had your your cup of coffee. Maybe you just had a little bit of cereal to kind of start off your day. Your day started off right. Make sure you have your balanced sports talk. Maybe unbalanced depending what you think about me, but that's a different conversation. But we need to kind of flip it over to some UFC because it is a big night. UFC 272 on tap this evening. And it's highlighted by a main event of two of American top teams finest in Jorge Masvidal, Colby Covington squaring off in the welterweight division. But it's still a pretty solid card on all fronts. And to talk about it, we got to go over to the game hotline right now. Bring aboard John Eric Poli of my MMA news. John, how you doing? Great, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, it's the first time we're doing this in 2022, so uh, happy New Year to you. Hopefully everything's going well down there in Louisiana. Uh, it's been pretty damn well here in Louisiana, especially now that we're able to kind of throw down some money on some of these fights. Mind you, I I'll bring this up real quick. I, I mentioned this on the show after UFC 271. I was extremely upset about how UFC 271 went from my POV. All because of one of the fights on the main card. Because I usually try and, like, when I look at fights, I mainly look at the main card in terms of sports betting. 
And uh, during UFC 271, I actually was like, I'm going to go ahead and throw down uh, about $5 on a six-way parlay, including the main event with, I had Adesanya going the over on rounds at four and a half. But I had Alexander Hernandez as part of one of those legs. He lost, and I missed out on almost winning like $200 on Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, that's the hard part, right, when you're betting on sports like that, especially like in the sports that we're talking about here today because it's a it's a brutal sport, man. All it takes is one punch, and there it is. An upset happens like that. Uh, was Hernandez the betting favorite on that? I don't remember. No, he, I know obviously I, no, he lost to Moicano, but. I think, he was, I think he was the dog in that one. And that's I, I, But, I, I, again, I didn't know either of those guys really – I was kind of going off of what I was kind of reading, what I was feeling out about that fight, and that one, that was the one that kind of just nipped me up. Bright side was, though, and you talk about knockouts any second, one guy that I want to get to right now is Ty Tuivasa. He had a knockout over Derek Lewis. This is a two-part question here. Part one, what's next for Ty Tuivasa? Because he feels like he is very much getting himself in line for a title shot for the heavyweight title not too far down the road. But number two, does Derek Lewis ever fight in Houston again? Because his last two fights in his hometown have not gone well at all. All right, so let's talk about Ty Tuivasa first. Since I uh, asked that one first, yeah, Tuivasa is in a great spot. I mean, you go from being what ranked number eleven, getting a chance to fight the number three ranked guy in the world, and a fight that really you would think was designed for Derek Lewis to go ahead and win. It's going to be a slugfest, which are usually fights he wins. In his hometown, which we're going to talk about in a second, but uh, obviously didn't go that way. Tuivasa, who first off, to Tuivasa's credit, I mean, he ate a lot of shots too in that fight. Lewis did bring the fight to him, and he was able to stand tall and uh, weather the storm and get a knockout of his own. And yeah, he's in a great spot now because he's obviously ranked in the top five. And, you know, the good thing for him too is he hasn't fought a lot of guys in the top five because he's been obviously not ranked that high. So, you can kind of match him up in a lot of different ways. And uh, I did do a piece after that fight. I usually run it every Monday at my MMA News called Matchmaker Monday, where I try to match people up. And I actually thought Kirill Gahn's going to need a dance partner because it's looking like Francis Ngannou's obviously going to be out for a significant period of time with his uh, ACL injury. It's looking like all the rumor mills have been swirling that we're going to see Stipe Miocic and John Jones fight for an interim title. So Kirill Gahn's going to need a dance partner. To Avasa coming off a big win, he's ranked in the top five. Seems like a good matchup, to, you know, for for me to book it anyway. But obviously, the UFC matchmakers will obviously have that final decision. Uh, and then part two to that question, where you're asked about Derek Lewis, yeah, I don't think he's going to fight in in Houston anymore. And uh, Chael Sonnen always talks about this a lot, he, and uh, Michael Bisping as well. And uh, I think Bisping put it the best way, actually, of the two of them with their analysis when you fight in your hometown. Bisping was saying when he used to fight in England, it was just so difficult. Everybody that you went to high school with all of a sudden, and yep, they want tickets to your fight. You have all these different media obligations. Uh, there's no such thing really as home field advantage in the sport of mixed martial arts. It's not like a football game or basketball or anything like that. You fight in your hometown, it's uh, a lot more pressure than it is in other sports. It was just mind-blowing to see that, like how quickly Derek Lewis's stock has fallen and how quickly, like, tied to Ivasa over the last year. He's become kind of that people's champ of the heavyweight division drinking beer out of a shoe, doing the shoeies after every fight, highly entertaining character, and now he's in that top five. I was glad that I put him tied to Ivasa by knockout. That one of winning like $42. Thank you very much. But still, 
it softened the blow of missing out on almost two hundo. But that's a different conversation for a different day. But looking at UFC 272, obviously you're headlined by Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. These two guys are going to be scrapping it out in the welterweight division. But I want to go to the co-main event of the evening with Rafael Dos Anjos. He's going to have to have a impromptu on five days' notice. Renato Moicano, those two are going to be squaring off in a catchweight fight. Because it's supposed to be Raphael, but he wound up missing out because he tested positive due to COVID. So five days notice, this one's going down. What do, what's your viewpoint on this one? Well, first off, I'm sure seeing that name of Moitana pop up for you has to bring back the memory of you losing out on that bet because he's obviously beat uh, Alexander yeah. Hernandez just a few weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's a crazy type of matchup just because of the fact, obviously, those Andres has had a lot going on. He was in the middle of cutting weight, then uh, his opponent pulls out, then they were saying maybe Islam Makachev would take the fight on short notice, doing 170 pounds. Now, obviously, he had to cut a few more pounds to get down to 160 for this matchup here. So he's had a lot going on. And then Moikano just obviously had that fight a few weeks ago, so he's kind of coming off the couch here and accepting this fight. Uh, big opportunity for Moikano here. If he's able to get a victory over a guy like Dozanjos, a former uh, title holder there in the UFC that really boosts his stock up a lot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot's going for those Anjos here, too, because he's made it clear that he wants to hold another title in the UFC. He wants to get back there. And uh, I'm sure he's a little bummed out here with uh, having an opponent change. And then, obviously, a guy like Islam Makhachev, you fight him, you get a victory over him, that puts you right in that title contention. So, Obviously, a win here tonight for him isn't going to get him into that title contention just quite yet. But, uh, I mean, he's a guy that's got to take a fight. He has a slot in, the, in a little bit here. So, uh, you know, for, for Dozanjo, step one, get a win here tonight. And then hopefully that does enough to get you a big matchup here in the future. Hopefully, for his sake, I'm sure he's going to want to fight a guy that's in the top five next. That's for sure. I'd agree with you there. Talking right now with John Eric Poli, my MMA news and when you were talking, you, know, you talked about Islam Makachev. He wound up fighting the main event against Bobby Green, who took that fight on like two weeks' notice. Like he had just fought two weeks ago in 271. He had won by decision. Not, didn't really take all that much damage in the fight. He looked great in it. And then he wound up facing Islam Makachev, who's definitely going to be one of those rising stars in the UFC from what I've been kind of seeing. But how wild is it we're seeing a lot of these guys take fights on, on such short notice again? You know, you go to Moicano, he fought a month ago, and fast forward, he's fighting again. We're seeing a lot of these guys just all of a sudden just snatch up fights on short notice whenever you usually would see guys take two, three months off, but then all of a sudden, boom, they're right back in. And how much of that is playing into the fact a lot of these guys are catching COVID or just it's just a rash of injuries causing fights to be moved around and pushed back because 272 was originally supposed to be a main event of Volkanovski versus Holloway, which would have been an absolute banger, but that got pushed back to 273. Yeah, I know. It's right. The craziness of COVID still uh, definitely out there and and whatnot. I think it's just a, a weird coincidence, though, uh, at the moment of seeing these short notice fights like this. But, uh, you know, I, I think a lot that plays into it, too, happens to be the UFC. If they need a favor from somebody, they need a last minute replacement or something like that. The UFC does take care of people. So I think that's why you're seeing that too if you're a guy like we just talked about bobby green you just fought a couple weeks ago you're in good shape you're not ranked you get an opportunity to fight a guy like islam makachev huge job like we were just talking with tai tuavasa 
man, he took advantage of that opportunity. He went from being ranked number 11 right to the top five. Let's say if Bobby Green was to pull off a wild upset last week, he goes from unranked to into the top five just like that. So, obviously, from a money standpoint, it's going to make sense taking a short-notice fight because the UFC will take care of you, and, and great things could happen off of it. But, uh, yeah, I think, it's, like I said, just a, a weird coincidence that we're kind of starting to see uh, a little bit more of these here with guys on last minute. All right, let's get to the main event. Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. These two are absolutely just itching for a win after both of them fell short to Kamaru Usman in their title opportunities. Obviously, a lot of these guys want to get back into it. Who wants this win more tonight in the main event of 272? Well, if the way I'm looking at it, uh, I, I would think Masvidal actually would probably need it more only because – well, let's put it this way. Masvidal's not going to be starving the rest of his life. He's become a huge superstar. He just signed a new UFC contract. He's going to be in huge fights probably for the rest of his life just because of his stardom and whatnot. But he's obviously coming off not only two losses to the champ, Kamaru, who doesn't appear to be going anywhere. But the first fight, I don't think he went around, right? Five zip, he shut him out. Maybe one judge gave uh, Masvidal the first round. Next fight, brutally gets knocked out cold, whereas Covington, obviously, uh, you know, two great fights with Kamaru Usman, and that last one with him, too, you know, very close fight. Uh, Masvidal at least has the BMF thing kind of going for him. Might be able to bail him out a little bit here, but uh, in terms of who's going to need this one more, I'm going uh, to say Jorge Masvidal because looking at his track record here, I just, I'll be honest with you, man, I know he's a, he's a big star, but where the notable wins at, obviously, Darren Till's on there, who has a big fan base, but Till hasn't really set the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination when you look at his record. Ben Askren, of course, you know, same thing. Look at it. We know that he's accomplished a lot in the sport, but just talking in recent years when Askren came in the UFC, wasn't anything spectacular, of course. Gets knocked out in the first round of boxing match by Jake Paul. Didn't look too good. So, you know, Nate Diaz, of course, and again, another big star, but again, just looking at track records here, I, I just don't see how... Masvidal lost here today. Even if he keeps giving him big fights, like I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, he, he needs a quality win in here somewhere if he ever wants to get back into title contention. I'd agree with you wholeheartedly there, Eric. Maybe he needs to focus more on the MMA fights and not as much making cameos on All Elite Wrestling with him, uh, Dan Lambert over there, American Top Team. But John, thank you so much for coming on the program, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the fights tonight. Thanks, man. You too. Always a pleasure talking fights with you and uh, looking forward to doing it some more here in 2022. Exactly. We're going to make that a priority here, especially during like the spring and summertime. because We're getting that much closer to International Fight Week, which everybody's kind of pointing towards Conor McGregor's return. Maybe in the next couple of months we'll hear what's next for Dustin Poirier as he tries to get back into contention for another championship. We'll talk about that and so much more down the road with our friend John Eric Poli and whoever else we can kind of get to wrangle on the program. But in the meantime, in between time, let's take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to wrap up hour number one with our five fave picks to click. And we're going to get a little UFC action in there as well. I keep getting destroyed on parlays because of one, one game not panning out. Every other time, it doesn't pan out. But... I have a feeling this week we're going to turn this bad boy around. We're going to rally back after this on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Don't! Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Going to get this out rapid fire style here. My fave five picks to click for this weekend. Again, typical rules, house rules in my mind. A $5 parlay dropped every single Saturday on these five games. Start off with Auburn, Arkansas, excuse me, Arkansas. They cover against Tennessee, plus six and a half. Feels a little high for me, especially considering the fact that Arkansas is a damn good team. I think plus six and a half, that covers its minus 114 odds. Auburn covers plus 15, excuse me, minus 15, minus 110 odds there for Auburn to cover against South Carolina. That feels like an easy pick to click there. I'll go with UCLA Moneyline against USC. They're minus 360. I'll go 76ers. They're on a heater right now. Five straight wins, and they're taking on the Miami Heat, who, and they're plus 104 dogs. And then we'll wrap up with UFC 272's main event, Colby Covington. He beats Jorge Masvidal. I'm not going to go ahead and put like cut knockout or anything like that. I'm just putting straight up wins. Minus 330. So the $5 parlay all cashes out. $55.86 is what that pays out, folks. So if you want to make some money, I think you can need to take that to the bank. Maybe also spread it around a little bit and put some individual bets in as well. Because trust me, the parlays haven't worked out all the well, but I think individually you can still make a pretty decent bank roll. We'll be back after this right here on the game. 1037 Live yet 1041 Lake Charles, hour two of Out of the Dome. Next.